We made it. Computer issues can't stop us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. Hi, everyone. I was surprised. I, was, I thought we were going to do the whole 1 minute 30 countdown. Apparently not. No, no, we're not. I Because we're running late. So I just was like, let's go. The countdown. I don't have like an actual like an intro screen. Oh. The only intro I have is the countdown. So apologies. <laughs> Are we not doing the Mouse and Dew plug this week? And I was not told about that. So if we were supposed oh. to, uh, I can run it later. Well, let's assume not and press on Boulder's Brass. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Yahtzee Crozier. And I'm Jack. Uh, as a slight heads up uh, uh, and a warning to Yahtzee, I do have a little bit of a throat cold. I did test negative for COVID, but there's a, there's a throaty uh, cold. I'm glad, I'm glad you told me that because I was afraid I might pick up the infection through the microphone. <laughs> well, what I'm warning people about is I, I have my finger over my mute button in case I start coughing. Yahtzee, I can't mute um the zoom call so if i start coughing i'm going to try to get away from my microphone but as a heads up okay <laughs> uh so in any case uh this week though i wanted to be here to have this conversation because the uh, we we're talking auteurs obviously like the the big the big auteur news is the new um uh, who is it ken levine Yes, but there was an article published on Bloomberg mm. sort of outing Ken Levine for flighty auteur practices in his uh, studio, which is why they haven't produced a game since Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> He's been, they've been working on this thing for that long, apparently, and uh, apparently he keeps changing his mind and being flighty and auteur Exactly. Um, there's been a lot of staff turnover. Although, and I fear we may be taking opposite points on this uh, issue, Jack. <sighs> I did detect a sort of uh, subtext in that Bloomberg article. Okay. The fact that it was published by Bloomberg sort of connected the rest of the dots. It seemed to be uh, doing, going out of its way to sort of tar auteurism as a concept, using Ken Levine as an example. Because, you know, Bloomberg is big money, and obviously the industry uh, wants to <laughs> stick to the projects that bring in the big money. Absolutely, absolutely. So it was all like, oh, yes, uh, Kent Levine's method just doesn't work. We should all just stick to the established practices. We should all go back to sleep, you sheep. Um, okay, so my my big, harsh blanket statement, I have very strong feelings on auteurism, which auteurism, as I understand it, as I believe the common definition ascribes auteurism, I think is absolute bullshit. Well, auteurism, of course, originates in the film industry. Yes. I believe the movement started around the 60s when uh, people started to introducing the concept of the director as someone with a singular vision that uh, infuses the entire product. And it was uh, uh, Hitchcock, I think, that sort of pushed that uh, particular perception as well. It's it's basically the idea the idea that the director of a movie or in a, in our case a video game is the author of a video game and of course an author is a sole entity a singular entity yeah a singular vision a like singular the author of a book vision. right and so to me that idea is absolute bullshit when working in a collaborative art form like making movies or video games now with my here's some slight caveats just to make sure we're starting all on the same page 
I'm mm, not saying it's a bad idea for a director to have a strong vision. A director has a very important job of being the captain of a very loose ship, and a director needs to have a strong vision to make sure everyone is pulling in the same direction. That's different than auteurism in my definition. Hmm. Well, it kind of sounds, feels like the definition of auteurism there, the director having a vision and all that. I mean, I understand, I understand uh, that in film, at least, there's a lot of people bringing their creative input on the project. Yeah. I mean, the, act, the actors have their own performances. The cinematographer, like, frames the shots. Of the, course. The set dressers and the costume designers all have their own creative input. Absolutely. The, I mean, the, the, the lighting department, the editor, I think, you know, I, I've had this conversation similarly with film people about someone like Quentin Tarantino, who obviously mm. like Tarantino is considered by many an auteur. He is considered to have, you know, he has his style. He writes his movies, he directs his movies, but even Tarantino will say his movies, especially his early movies were nothing without Sally Mank, who was his editor on all of his early movies. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know who that is, so it, I guess that uh, makes a, makes at least some kind of point. She she's she was the editor on his early movies. Unfortunately, she has right. passed away. Uh, but you know, like this this idea that it's one singular vision discounts so many people's work is, I guess my that's my harsh feeling on it. Well, I suppose that is quite a harsh feeling because while it's true that everyone's bringing a creative vision mm -hmm. the director is the, ultimately the one with the final say so absolutely absolutely someone could sneak in like their costume design but at any point the director could say that doesn't work in the bin <laughs> absolutely but it's not it's not so much the director well i guess when you like credit a director as like the sole creative vision on a project it's like crediting a ship's captain for the act of moving a lot of things through the sea when in fact it is the ship as a whole that does that Ooh, beautifully and nautically put yahtzee i'm big <laughs> i am a fan of nautical fiction as you know i do know that about you well i, I think to me that is the that's the insidious side of auteurism and why to me like it's it's taken to an extreme and and it's abused like how we see with Ken Levine who you know according to the article at least is a bit egocentric and a bit tyrannical about his games right well well that uh, particular uh condition often strikes the auteur <laughs> i mean uh, we've seen this all before haven't we this was john ramiro's thing before it was ken levine's thing absolutely Absolutely. And but there are plenty of examples of people who consider an auteur in the games industry that somehow make it work. Hideo Kojima brings to mind. I, you know, love him or hate him, that man gets a vision across. Um, yeah. Sure. No, and of, and of course, you know, like this, to, to me, like the only true auteurs out there are your solo developers, your, your concerned ape, your Lucas Popes. Um, yeah, your uh, Toby Foxes. Ooh, there you go. So, someone who does everything. That to me is a true auteur. Like, well, thank you very much. <laughs> well, you are an author. Obviously, you write your books. You make your own games. You do everything to make yes. your own games. That makes you an auteur. And there's well, nothing I'm, wrong well, with I that. 
Well, I have a thinking I need to bring in some uh, extra talent on Starstruck Vagabond, actually. Mm. I already uh, commissioned a soundtrack, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to commission some art at some point. I want to get nice, pleasing character art done to like stick on top of the text boxes, visual Ooh, yeah. novel style. Yeah, yeah. And I don't trust in my own skills as a pixel artist <laughs> to make nice, pleasing images of the characters. So I will probably enlist someone. I'll probably go to the Escapist Discord art channel and see who's free. Yes, and so and so. By the way, like so, already you're not falling into the negative trappings of the auteur, where you're willing to ask for help. <laughs> well, well, the problem is that Ken Levine's daughter that relies upon like uh, the standard studio style system. Mm-hmm. I was reading the article; it was saying like uh, he uh, fired most of his staff uh, because he wanted to bring things down to an indie sensibility, but then immediately wanted to start making. Like AAA level game with a smaller team, yeah. Which, and, well, that's just Ken Levine being a doof, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's him being an incredible dickhead. Which is like, yeah, if you want to be an auteur, Ken Levine, you start character modeling and writing the code. You do the voiceover work. Um, like I think about, you know, what I think about is uh, if if anyone watched the, um, oh crap, I'm going to forget what it's called the uh, the Bo Burnham Netflix comedy special. Did you see that? Nope. It, I I didn't get through all of it because it is it's an emotional roller coaster. But that is that is a piece of work that he wrote, composed, acted in front of, did the lighting for, shot and edited, and then you know put out an auteur work <laughs> that you know he did everything for. That's that's kind of an example on the video side of things. I think you're taking a very hard line stance on this, Jack. Yes, I mean yes, we've established that. The the ship requires an entire crew. Yes, but without the captain, that ship goes nowhere. The captain <laughs> has to know where the ship's going. The captain has to have a destination in mind. Right, absolutely. But that's what the captain's job is. <laughs> yeah. so it sounds like that's exactly what Ken Levine was doing. He had a he had an idea of where the ship was going. It seems that he kept getting flaky and changing his mind on where the ship was going, and the ship ended up going around in circles in the Caribbean. <laughs> yes. But that's, not a, that's a, not a detriment to auteurism as a concept. That's just Ken Levine being a doof. <laughs> oh, no, and of course, the same can happen uh, outside of the auteur system uh, within the, the committee system where you can have ships. One might, one might say it almost invariably happens in the committee-driven <laughs> system that the ship ends up like just namby-pambily have, hovering around the Caribbean saying, oh, do you think our passengers would like to get off in Cuba? Oh, maybe some of them would rather get off oh. in uh, Kingston Town. Yeah, our our research says actually most want to get off uh, over on the uh, on the west coast, so we should make sure we hit up that as well. Oh no, and that oh just... shit, delay the project, <laughs> delay the project another six months, and like turn the wheel, helmsman. What yeah, I am that's, saying that's committee design. What I am saying is we could probably find positive and negative examples on either side. I think what we're going to end up saying is that a middle ground is the preferred stance. I'm going to take a little harder nose side on this. I think the I, the very concept of auteurism is bad as it places the creative director in a more premium position than all of the other people who are making the thing. 
Isn't that just the fault of the interpreter of the work, though, mm-hmm. rather than the creator? I think it's the it's the very concept of auteurism because because we have this idea that it's like one person's vision. One person is the author that lays the foundation for us as the uh, consumers to think like, oh, this is Ken Levine's work. That is Hideo Kojima's work. That is Martin Scorsese's work instead well, of a collaborative work. Well, I think you should think of it less as authorship and more as responsibility. I mean, if, say, like, your child uh, murders a man, that was your, <laughs> that's your responsibility because that's your child. And same, for the same thing, if there's, like, uh, something bad in a video game that didn't work, uh, it might have been put in by anyone on the team, but it was your responsibility. You're the one who takes the rap. So your terrorism isn't just like all the prizes going to the big boy. It's all it's it's a two way street man. That's big boys taking all the criticism as well. <laughs> that's the that's the. Uh, the sacrifice of the auteur, I suppose. Sure, the, the concept of the buck stopping here, absolutely. Uh, I While I hear that, to me, the, that's, that's two sides of the same coin as we are pointing to a singular entity in the creation process when it is a collaborative effort. And so, like, y- yes, I am perceiving auteurism as this singular thing, but that's the very definition of auteurism. Like this is what it has been pushing for. Instead a of definition that misinterpreted might have been. Ooh, well, or it's a definition that has morphed and evolved over time. Absolutely, and right. I, I, th- I do think that directors need to have a strong vision, or else you end up with bland soup. Right. Yeah, I think the problem with auteurism you're talking about is the creation of the media. And some directors uh, seem to have taken, uh, been influenced by the media's depiction of autism that way, yeah. and started to see themselves as what the media depicts them as, and that's the issue. Absolutely, but it, but it's that very, it's that depiction, it's that definition that drives the ego to autourism, right? It starts <clears throat> a cycle. Right. Well, for my part, the reason why I like solo projects and tourism generally is that i like seeing yeah. a single person's uh, stream of consciousness mm. i like seeing things that make sense to just one person absolutely absolutely and i th- and uh, you know being able to manage a team is its own skill that not everybody has mm. so you know yeah. what i guess i think i guess our positions are that you think tourism is pompousness yes personified i think i think of it i think of it as something that a lot of people get wrong that's not inherently bad that requires a very particular kind of person Mm. i mean leonardo da vinci was famously like a big fussy auteur he took like years and years and years to paint Mm. something but all his works are remembered as works of total genius absolutely and singular vision because although, he was the only well, one who made them. <laughs> although for a genius, he should have figured out the best way to paint the Last Supper was not on a dry uh, plaster, the idiot. Honestly, honestly, that, think about like, preservation. Yeah, that thing's been notoriously hard to keep uh, preserved over the years. 
You paint onto wet plaster, Leo, you dumb twat. <laughs> it's it's like this it's it's the idea of like of like the architect versus the the builders, right? Where it's like like Leonardo da Vinci was the architect but also the builder. He like he sculpted, he painted, he did all of those things relatively by himself like whether we want to include his patrons in that uh equation is a whole nother conversation to have as he wouldn't be able to live without the money he got to make those works well nick is helpfully steering us in the chat by saying i think the big conversation is really more around auteurs not being great managers but a lot of people are taking that as get rid of auteurs and that's what i was talking about that's definitely the subtext i detected in the bloomberg article in fact i saw some tweets like linking to it I flat out saying, yes, let's get rid of the myth of the auteur. Blandness forever. Big money committees for everyone. Yes. And to, and stop trying to have ideas and dreams, you sheep. To me, though, like, again, it's about, like, the connotation of the auteur. Where I, do, I don't think, talking about games, talking about movies, talking about any collaborative artistic work, I don't think... And oh, this is okay. We're gonna get really into the weeds in a second, and I do apologize. But this is like this is the conversation where it's like I don't think we should just point to one person and say that person made this collaborative work. At the same time, you kind of need a person to take point when it comes to doing press and and like hyping up a thing. So it's like well, more than just a hype man. This is this is what I'm saying. This is someone who ultimately takes responsibility for everything in there. Some people are very hands-off, and the end result is usually kind of bland. But it's the hands-on people that steer the errant hairs back into line with their magic comb of destiny. <laughs> Those are the people See, who are doing good work. This is, exa- this is exactly the problem, is, is you're elevating these, pos- these like decision-making positions to something higher than everyone else when everyone is contributing to the same project they're already higher than everyone else as i say they they (laughs) reap the responsibility whether they actually have that responsibility is you know it's up to them to work out but that's the perception they're gonna have to deal with and most some people like when they're aware that they're gonna be perceived in that way rise to the occasion oh the sun appears to have brought me into the paradise realm again well good now you now you can speak from authority from authority (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Take my word, my children. Take, carve them in stone and bring them down the mountain, lest the masses worship the golden calf anew. (laughs) I think, I think the, the idea, uh, and again, I am for the concept of a director of any collaborative project, like, saying yes and no to things as that is their job but the idea of the director somehow being above everyone else diminishes the collaboration it diminishes the entire project like like it uh uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of a more manageable manageable example here um well the captain of the ship still takes the highest wage (laughs) he does take that takes the highest cut of the plunder the highest cut of the plunder when the pirate ship attacks like the, the spanish trading vessels sure sure i'm I, you know like i i guess what i'm what i'm 
what I'm thinking of here, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to to take this into more a more grounded place here, which is um uh, uh it's it's something that we deal with a lot over at my comedy theater, the comedy theater that I work at, right? Oh right! I should have realized you take this attitude being an improv comedian. Aha! You know, but you know, so we have we have our our players, our our comedians. We have the people that work the lights and the sound. But it's also a restaurant bar, so we have a, a wait staff and we have uh you know people who are making food, and we take the idea, and this is an idea that that I try to foster as much as possible that every single person there contributes to the show. Whether well, you are, isn't it, isn't it the uh, preferred mindset of improv comedy that you have that you can't own any one idea and have to just let things go as they please? You, it's it's not about idea ownership; it's about adding to the greater whole, right? Oh, right. It's yeah, yeah. that's that's what it's all about. Is I I contribute and then I take your contribution and together we all make something. But that doesn't just that's not just about the 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 stage that's about you know like the wait staff bringing people drinks and food adds to the show the person showing people to their seat adds to the show the very room that we we perform in adds to the show well would the show be very different if people took their own seats <laughs> um well uh, one yes because then no one would sit in the front um and then we would have like a, a couple empty rows no one wants to sit in the front row uh so yes it would well, be well no very you crane your, you crane your neck don't you <laughs> so so like i i believe that we need a strong leader but that that leader is the end all be all is a dangerous concept that creates an environment to breed bad managers this is what i am this is what I'm arguing here. Well, we certainly are broadening this topic out, aren't we? Apparently. Now we're, we're applying it to the very concept of uh, management. <laughs> Basically any industry. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think, you know, obviously this article is about one specific dickhead, yeah. <laughs> you know, who, as it turns out, is just a bad project manager. Because that's not where he belongs, right? He belongs in a director decision, but because of the auteur system ha- has uh, created a environment to inflate his ego, he thinks he should also be in charge of HR and be in charge of team management when really he's just a director. This this well, is this is what I'm well, saying is again, the system. It, that this is Ken Levine being a doof. <laughs> and I still take the position that it's being held up by Bloomberg as a pro corporatism argument. And I can't get behind that. I I can agree with you. I can agree with you there that we also don't want the extreme of the other side. All right, truth is in the middle on the super chats. Yay, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh pardon me i felt like we were gonna float around this for another half pretty hour. much yeah we were we were getting yeah. into circular talks all right so just a reminder this is where we read out all the super chats that you've brought in oh sure actually wait uh before we get too far uh, i just see someone saying what article is it that we are referring to oh um, oh don't you know how to use google for fuck's sake uh, nick you're just in- just just type Bloomberg Ken Levine, you'll find it. Nick, if you're in chat, if you could uh, link to that article so other people have a chance to read it. 
we've we've summed there, it up a I, few I just times. i just googled ken levine and i found it and i'm popping it in the chat right now thank you yahtzee unless someone already beat me to it which i suspect they might have done no apparently not only only mods can link uh can uh can post oh, the link just bef- just before nick did it Ooh, no i'm sorry nick got in just a moment before you huh well on my chat it seems i got in first wow but anyway yes uh get your super chats in now because this is where we read them all out ah yes we're doing it we're talking we're talking autourism good bad or somewhere in between, guess. Or if you or if you just want us to read out something embarrassing, you can by all means send us in a super chat for that purposes as well. Absolutely. Or ask or ask any question. That's the whole point. As it's long true. as it's not a really bad question, because mm. then we will. Well, we'll take your money, but we'll take the piss out of you. <laughs> oh, speaking of, Lux Solar gives five dollars before we started to say, Jack, you and Marty didn't spend enough time last week making fun of Yahtzee for being British. Or taking the piss out of him, if you prefer. That's because we genuinely enjoy Yahtzee, so why would we spend time making fun of him? Yes, I'm very enjoyable. We do. We, we, <laughs> I think Mar- like a, Marty and I are nice people. So. <laughs> oh, yes. that's, that's the chemistry here. That's the counterpoint. Oh. Nice person, nasty person. <laughs> it's, a, it's a double act. It's true. It's true. Um... Is there an American equivalent for the phrase to take the piss out of something? Um, meaning, meaning like, like to mock it, to mock it, to, yeah. is, is take the piss out mocking in a loving way? Um, not necessarily. Oh, well then we just, you know, we just call that mocking, I guess. Okay. So to take the piss out of. It can mean to mock, or it can mean to uh, to be audacious. Like if someone like says uh, you're going to have to stay for three more hours after work, you can say, "Are you taking the piss?" To mean uh, that is a very audacious thing to ask. Sure. So you know, kind of like saying, "Are you being serious?" Or, or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I don't know if we have a one to one equivalent there. Huh. Well, there you go. There you go. Thanks. I just, I just worry that um, I don't come across clearly to our international listeners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have roasting, but roasting is usually referred to in a in a in a loving manner. When you roast, yeah, yeah roasting is a very specific thing. Yes, it's where, you, where you put a side of meat in the oven for about half an hour. Oh, the other kind of roast. The yes, other kind of roast. That, but that's also a very specific thing where you mock someone in a loving way. Yes. And see, I, I think it's the same with I, I see people saying like uh, pulling your leg or busting your balls. Um, I I also I always think about those like oh, I'm just breaking your balls, like I'm giving you a hard time, but in a in a jovial fashion. Yeah, it's not quite the same as taking the piss. Yeah. Oh well. Oh. Maybe maybe Americans should start saying taking the piss. It sounds like you don't really have an equivalent for it. Well, perhaps then, we yeah. can drive that movement. Taking the American the piss. Taking, Americans taking the piss. I don't, I don't like, know. Like, like, just, just uh, for example, say, um, um, did you hear that Fox News are pushing anti-vax messages again? Are they taking the piss? Ah, I like it. Okay, fair. All right. SPS Guru 2000 gives five dollars, five euros, sorry, to say, I think it's fair to say the video game industry has not a single Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino, but a lot of Tommy Wiseau's and Neil Breen's. 
<laughs> well, all of those people are interesting to talk about. That's it's the uh, bland stuff in the middle. I, I can't stand. Right. Well, and, and I, I talked about Tarantino, Tarantino's collaboration, but I, I think the same can be said about Wes Anderson. Remember, like he wrote Wes Anderson wrote most of his early movies with Owen Wilson. Uh, he had the same cinematographer for all of his early career. Like there's plenty of um, what's what's his what's who's the God of new God of War guy or the the uh, last of us guy. What is that, Druckmann? Neil Druckmann. Yeah, Druckmann. Like, there's a I Druckmann. To say, I would have to say David Jaffe, but he was the old God of War guy. Ah. I feel like there's plenty of video game directors who have a strong vision who don't cross over into the dickhead realm. Well, yeah, like the solo developers. Sure. Because <laughs> there's, no there's nobody to be a dickhead to in that case. Fair. That's, that's very That's fair. how that works. Yeah. Oh. All right. All uh, right. Moving on. Moving on. Chaos Chris gives twenty five dollars to Ooh. say crunch munch nom listening during lunch. Oh, those are your good noises. For, well, good for you. I'm gonna have my lunch after this, as it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I might have some funyuns. Fun my lunch today. Ooh, I have right. a big. I have a big variety bag of potato chips and potato chip like entities. Mm. It contains Funyuns. There's some Cheetos in there. There's some salt and vinegar Ooh. standard sorts of crisps. I do like a, a good salt and vinegar chip, absolutely. Although my my lovely wife managed to import me some hula hoops from the UK for Christmas. <laughs> and I've already eaten all of them. Ah. So I guess it's back to the Funyuns. Funyuns. Yeah, okay, great. Not, I, I've, never, I've never understood the love of Funyuns. You don't um, like Funyuns? I do not like Funyuns. Um, it's like, like it's Funyuns. not quite oniony and not quite chippy enough for me. It's it it's 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 too. It's like ether. It's it's in the blandness zone. Well, what's your preferred potato chip or potato chip like maize snack? Uh, yeah, uh, just a, a standard like a Pringle. You know, with the uh, with the ridges. Those are nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not Boring. a big, not a big chip person in general. I'll be honest with you. you don't like flaming hot Cheetos. I do not like flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> well, that was a uh, quite a lot of conversation. That one, <laughs> but hey, he gave twenty five bucks. We had to give it some respect. Absolutely, that guy you know gives two dollars to say an auteur game is a game odder than Madden or Call of Duty. Well, I think you've been playing enough games, that guy you know. <laughs> you yes. clearly have like a very bland little comfort zone. Yeah, there's there's plenty there's plenty of games that have a strong direction. Absolutely. Who's the guy who directed uh Ico and Shadow of the Colossus? Was it Ueda? I think it was Ueda. Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great example of he, he's, with a strong he's a, vision. Yeah. His vision runs through all his games. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think he's ever done a bad one. Well, he did the Last Guardian that everyone sort of forgot. I mean, Last Guardian was relatively lame, eh. because yeah. mostly because there wasn't any game to it. It wasn't beautiful, awful. beautiful to was, look at. Yeah, I wonder if he's working on anything new since then. Hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Last Guardian took the ages, so you know, hmm. might not hear anything for a while yet. That's true. Uh, Mr. Wade Lee gives $5 to say, thank both of you gents for the great work you do. Yahtzee, I just finished your latest audio book while traveling over the holidays and I loved it. 
Oh, my great audiobook, Existentially Challenged, you mean, that is available on Audible right now, and a link to which I will be popping into the chat momentarily. Wow, and Yati, you were the solo author of that, so you were the auteur of of that of that audio novel that you can listen to over on audible.com. Right well, now. I did work with a sound engineer in the booth. Oh, you did? Well, that yeah, I guess that's more technical. I'm, I was talking about the creative end of it, but sure, sure, okay. Yes. Fair, fair. But yes, I wrote it, and I voiced it, and I did all the silly voices. What? Oh, what a wonderful treat for anyone to listen to. But And that's a yes. sequel book, right? Yes, it's the sequel to my earlier novel, Differently Morphous. What? And since it's the start of the month, you can probably get you get it as your free Audible audiobook that you can get at the start of the month, apparently, or something like that. Amazing. Amazing. Just amazing. Jeffrey of Monmouth gives $5 to say, I find auteurs a bit hard to talk about, since the term predates the death of the author movement, and auteurism seems to demand a singular auctor. That's, yeah, this is... This is where we get really wibbly-wobbly, right? No, we haven't been wibbly-wobbly before. <laughs> where, Jesus, one can only boggle at how wibbly-wobbly we're about to get. So, all right, so here's where we get super wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Um, auteur theory doesn't necessarily have anything to do with death of the author. Those are two separate yes. analytical concepts. Yes, death of the author is about, basically, that just states that any person's interpretation of a work of art is equally as valid as the author's own interpretation of it. Absolutely. It's sort of a completely different line of thinking when it comes to art. Right. Whereas, as we were discussing earlier, auteur theory is the idea of the director being uh, akin to a solo author. So kind of, kind of separate tools. Yeah. 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 Zachary Pearson gives $5 to say, in terms of video games, do you draw a distinction between an author and a solo developer? Well, I would say it's the case that all solo developers are auteurs, but not all auteurs are solo developers. Correct. And as I, I think as I have stated uh, implicitly, uh, is unless you are a solo developer, if you call yourself an auteur, you're a dickhead. Well, that's your hardline stance. That's my, that is my hardline stance. So, like, yeah, and your your Lucas Popes, your concerned apes, your um, Toby Foxes, any anyone who makes something all of their own, auteur all the way. Uh, oh, um, Terry Cavanaugh. That's another one that I enjoy. Uh, I believe I believe he makes all of his own games all by himself. He did a VVV VVV. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I like VVV VVV. Yeah, VVV is very good. So. <laughs> well, you can, you can, you can oh. certainly tell it's a solo development game, right? Am I right? And it contains a reference to Fantasy World Dizzy, which I like, which oh. I appreciate. Oh, there you go. Uh, John John gives nine dollars ninety nine to say he couldn't find a better way of asking you, Yati. But what do you think of Assassin's Creed bringing back Desmond at the end of Valhalla? Well, I didn't actually know Assassin's Creed brought back Desmond at the end of Valhalla because I never finished Valhalla. So thanks for the spoiler, asshole. Oh. How did they bring him back? I mean, he's dead. He's been dead for quite a long time. How could they bring him back? He was very thoroughly killed. Oh, maybe I'll look it up later. 
uh i get l- listen nothing nothing matters <laughs> nothing matters i guess i guess no like you know oh someone died but in actuality that was a, a faked death and a body like assassin's double. creed is turning into a superhero style continuity ah uh, sure where no nothing stays dead except uncle ben who has to and not yeah. necessarily in every universe because <laughs> the saying used to be everyone stays dead except uncle ben everyone hang on the saying used to be nobody stays dead except uncle ben gwen stacy and jason todd but two of those since came back to life so uh, mm. now it's just nobody stays dead but uncle ben <laughs> yeah fair uh, Will Cooling gives two pounds to say, "Is Mike from RLM an auteur?" Given the Plinkett videos, ah, ah. Uh, well, the early Plinkett videos uh, he co-wrote with Rich Evans, uh, but uh, mm. yes, like I, I think, like if you if you look at like the uh, the Star Trek Next Generation movie reviews, the that was. 100% Mike all the time. As soon as we get into the later reviews and you have other people contributing, whether it be on camera as talent or behind the camera filming, doing effects or writing, that's when the auteurness leaves and you just have someone with a strong di- directorial vision. Bill, I feel like it was mostly him doing that Star Trek Picard blanket review. <laughs> the- Is that... Uh- the early next gen reviews, yeah. Well, there was another one that he did. He did like a Plinket review of Star Trek Picard, the series. Oh, did he? Which uh, oh. I haven't really rewatched, but I remember it was not his strongest work. <laughs> no, and I, it felt it felt very much like something Mike Stuclaza really wanted to get out. <laughs> well, that was the, like the the first four Plinket reviews were of the motion the the star trek yeah, next yeah. generation motion pictures right yeah but they only really took off virally after the uh the, the star wars phantom menace one after the phantom menace one absolutely that's the first i heard of them oh Certainly. yeah that's the first most people heard of them and so it's yeah. like to and again this is my this is like my hardline stance on autourism so it's like mike has a very strong creative uh direction in those movies but as soon as as soon as we even get into um you know, some of the, the filming stuff, like like I have appeared as actors in some of those movies. I make mm. my own creative choices. Obviously, Mike directs me, but I like, you know, for that small moment, like it is no longer an auteur project. It is a collaboration. Jay does a lot of the shooting. Um, I, you know, there's there's a there's a collaboration in there. But again, I, I, I believe you. Hard. That's me making a very hardline stance on a very slim definition of auteur. Okay, well, let's move on. Hey, let's move on. Amarin Bays gives thirty-five South African rand to say Yahtzee. I've been watching after the last. I have been watching after the live, and I just need to tell you, Zar is the South African rand. Love the show. Happy to tune in live. And that's why we read on comments ahead. That's how I knew to say that it was the South African Rand. Thanks for go. the tip off, Amarine Buys. <laughs> Ronnie Jones gives five US dollars to say, hope you both had a great start to the year. What do you think stops there being more of these types of creators and why is it capitalism? <laughs> well, 
No, I think well, that's what creates uh, those, well, these types it's of not so much It's not so much capitalism as big money, if you ask me, which isn't quite the same thing. Mm. I find it's like games becoming so vast and complicated that they need like like vast teams to make, and mm. the auteur gets lost. Hmm. Yes, the well, the, the the singular vision creator. Yeah, I think like that's that's kind of the the issue now is where where a lot of the money is being put into games. They don't want to have to deal with the singular ego of an auteur or of a strong creative lead unless they had that creative lead had already been established uh, pre the new system. All right, then. Uh-huh. LL Cool TJ9 gives two US dollars to say Peter Molyneux question mark. Now, while Peter Molyneux is someone I'd consider, you know, a creative director and a name, I would never really consider him an auteur. Because if there's one thing that doesn't uh, characterize his games, it's perfectionism. <laughs> but um, Tiss? Madame Tish, quite. But, you know, <laughs> I've always got the impression that Peter Molyneux is, like, kind of just a nice, if slightly weird man. And uh, his games don't really seem that, you know, tightly controlled to a single vision like you'd expect from an auto work. Sure. So sure, sure. I, don't, I don't really know. Hmm. Fair. Very fair. Corey Long gives side dollars to say, what is one thing a solo developer should not try to do themselves? QA test. Ooh, very good. Yes. There are an awful lot of things that you know unconsciously from having created the game that will not come up in testing if you only test it yourself. You need to see someone struggle with it who knows absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. Uh Ideally, while you watch. (laughs) <laughs> it's called focus testing and mm. it's the best and it's probably the best way to test i like that i, I think that's solid advice and I, I guess i would just expound on that and just say anything that they're not good at yeah everything else it depends what you individually are good at. Like, yeah. as i said i bring in a musician and i'll probably bring in a character artist for star trek vagabond because i don't i'm not that good at those things boom easy peasy i just Great. have no ear to music at all yeah, you know, some people don't. That's okay. It's it's okay to know your strengths and weaknesses. Good. Good. Because it makes me feel insecure because I know there are some solo developers who do do the music on top of everything else. Yeah, well, they're like, over. I think Toby Fox does. I think Pixel, who made Cave Story, did as well. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, some people are, some people are good at a lot of things and good for them. Yeah. <laughs> bloody show-offs I call them <laughs> oh yeah yeah teacher you forgot to assign homework yeah that was them in grade school <laughs> yeah <laughs> Isaiah Rillers gives 125 PHP which I believe on previous episodes we established was the Filipino peso okay to say would you say that the Hauser brothers from Rockstar are auteurs well, I'd never heard of them, so uh, probably not. I've also never heard of them, so <laughs> if they are auteurs, they're they're doing a bad branding job. Yeah, they probably seem uh, let the rest of the studio have their own input. Hmm. Seems like. Apparently, yeah. But Rockstar Works do tend to have a fairly uh, singular connecting um, vibe to them. Okay. 
I think like there I wonder if there if there is a name for kind of auteur like auteur theory as applied to a uh, a group entity instead of a person. Where it's like a, a, if Rockstar puts out a game, it is a Rockstar game. Like beyond branding, is there like a, oh, we as a group all make this one thing. So, so it's more like a band. Like you, you, we credit songs to the Beatles, not to any individual member of the Beatles. Exactly. Exactly. That's fair enough. I can get behind that. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Great. Just uh, don't let any of them marry Japanese conceptual artists. Oh, listen, they were they were broke up long before that. Let John have his fun. John was in love. John was in love. Somehow. <laughs> <clears throat> James Phillips gives $5 to say, would you all be familiar with the four-walling of early movies? It seems similar to small budget games getting on Steam or other services. I have no idea what that is. Do you know what that is, Jack? Four-walling? Like the number four-walling? Yeah. Yeah. Just go quick Google search real quick real is quick that, here. Is that in any rela- way related to the fourth wall as a concept? Uh, it is not. Uh, Forewalling, according to MiriamWebster.com, an arrangement whereby a motion picture distributor rents a theater for an entire run of a film and keeps all the ticket receipts instead of splitting them with the theater owner. Okay. Uh, yeah, very similar to things that like Disney does nowadays where, where they will take a larger cut of kind of like opening box off office weekend, as far as distributors are concerned. Uh, it's basically, it's basically a monopolistic practice. Uh, What was so what was the question? Uh, uh, well, Actually, there wasn't a question. Oh. They were just asking, are we familiar with the concept of forewalling? And then they're stating that it seems similar to small budget games on Steam. No, Un- unless they're also buying copies of their game to give to people. I don't know if it would be the same. Uh, well, let's move on. We're okay. all very confused. Great. Obviously. Confused and scared. Great. Jano Julian Moraira Aslan gives 300 asses to say, sorry for the low donation. <laughs> My country's coin has the credibility of Todd Howard. hey I, I think Kojima has proven that being a good director doesn't mean you are a good author, as he's incapable <laughs> of providing a cohesive experience when solo. <laughs> Well, as I say, it's always interesting to talk about, even if it's not, you know, a fun game to play. If it's, yeah, you can never uh, accuse Kojima of being basic. Like, he's always interesting, not always good, but always yeah. unique. And sometimes that's that's worth it all by itself. I mean, I tried to replay Death Stranding, and uh, I don't think you could say he brought a compelling performance out of the any of the actors in that no no or or necessarily a cohesive theme but it no. sure is an interesting game his mistake was like 
starting to work more with like Hollywood actors and things. When he was working with like David Hayter as a voice actor and whoever it was that voiced Otacon, mm-hmm. you, 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 you could really bring a sort of unique flair out of their performances. Absolutely. As they, as they earnestly spoke aloud his absolute bullshit that he'd written. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Great. I mean, um, I was looking up just randomly the algorithm on YouTube threw up a, like a section of dialogue from Metal Gear Solid 4 in which Otacon talks to Solid Snake about the way Solid Snake destroyed a tank and it ends with Otacon giving a sort of very awkward prolonged compliment in which he describes Snake as the shit. And um, I think the actor... Who, who was the actor who voiced Dr. Otacon? Christopher something, I think. But I think he put as like good a performance as one could into that line. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, some some actors have the ability to give that kind of like over the top dialogue with the especially, especially voice actors. Yeah, people who like professionally train in voice acting specifically, mm-hmm. which most Hollywood film actors don't. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Anyway, where was I? Michael Broadman, give us $5 to say nothing. Well, thanks thanks for the money, Michael Broadman. Also, for posterity's sake, Christopher Randolph is what I'm seeing as the voice. I thought that might have been it. I didn't quite have faith in the Randolph part, so I stopped at Christopher. But thank you, yes. I should trust my instincts more. Absolutely. Uh, Will Cooling gives two British pounds. To say empowering an auteur stops the studio dominating. Well, that was my point, Will Cooling. The alternative to auteurism is corporatism. So, uh, you know, it's nice to find the, the happy medium. Right. I, no, like, and to me, to me, it's, they're, they're both the same. Like, you, you either, <laughs> you either have a, a, a system of a chairman making a, a, a bad decision or you have an auteur making a bad decision in both cases you have the inability to uh engage with that decision right and so we're talking about equally bad things one does not necessarily lead to the other or the lack okay. of one doesn't necessarily lead to the overabundance of the other okay okay <laughs> okay okay uh, Ash Wyvern underscore gives two British pounds to say first one I caught live. Love your stuff. Thank you very much, Ash Wyvern underscore. We appreciate that. CK in Terrorbang gives five dollars to say great job on the recent Undertale video yards. I hope both of your New Year's are starting swell. Yes, that was my most recent extra punctuation, which mm. has clocked over three hundred k views. You did and a lot. Uh, uh, quite a few zero punctuations don't make that much. So hey. Seems this format has legs. I like it. I like it. Uh, everyone just likes watching me gush on something. I it is think nice. of some other things to gush on for future episodes. <laughs> Gushing is nice. Well, gush in a serious analytical sort of way. Mm, yeah, yeah. People, are, okay. I think, I guess the trend in more recent years has certainly gone more towards uh, video essays on YouTube. Mm-hmm. People like feeling smart, I guess. I there's you know there's nothing wrong with longer more in-depth content as long as it has enough meat on its bones right I certainly appreciate putting on like an hour long dissection video mm. while I'm playing something boring agreed agreed 
Uh, da, 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 an unassuming length of dr. His name was too long and got cut off in the thing. There you go. Hang on, maybe it's still on there. I'm, I'm trying to scroll Here we go. up to find An unassuming length of drain pipe gives two pounds to say, what is your favourite flavour of crisp? This has been asked before in recent episodes. It's probably a reference to Existentially Challenged, my most recent audiobook that you can get now from audible.com. I fear this is going to come up a lot. See, it was the, it was a running gag in the book because it deals with like people like streaming a lot and answering viewer questions a lot. Sure. And, and it has a, like a running gag focusing on the often banality of uh, viewer questions hmm. in which like the cult in the book is occasionally asked what their favorite flavor of crisp is. <laughs> All right. It was a very clever joke and if you buy the book, you'll all laugh very heartily. Sure, and so now, and so now, it's reference to clever joke. Great. Yeah, now every t- now every time I stream, someone's going to post it as a clever reference, and I'm going to get resoundingly sick of it. I'm sure. Very very quickly. Kevin Greatrix gives up. five Cana- uh, Canadian dollars, I think, to say, "Take my monies for all the entertainments." We certainly will, Kevin Greatrix. Thank you very much. Very gladly. Andrew White Winter gives two dollars to say, "Can one take the urine out of themselves?" Well, in both senses of the phrase, yes, you can. You can certainly self-deprecate, take the piss out of oneself, and you can also, in a strictly literal sense, take the urine out of yourself by pointing your urethra at a toilet or patch of snow. Preferably, preferably a toilet. Toilet patch of snow or face of a corporatist. Or or just, you know, go full relax and make sure you're you're on a, a easily easily cleanable surface. Just just let or it go. Or wearing your depends. I ha I do have our Slack open in which uh, yes. I'm just looking at a picture that Marty posted of depends. Yeah, that was a little yeah. in joke, everyone. Yeah. We uh, joked internally that we were probably just gonna dust off the old it depends argument and then Marty posted a picture of some depends diapers and we all had a good laugh and we're now now i'm forced to look at it though it's just in that picture of like uh size xxl depends is in my peripheral vision this entire time thanks marty <laughs> little uh glimpse behind the curtain that escape his towers there Robin Wilde gives $10 to say, I've written a book on homebrew development, and that's a haven for auteurs, because there's virtually no money or fame in it. Does auteurism work better for indie games because the stakes are lower? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And also the teams are smaller, so they're easier to manage. Yeah. You don't need management skills on top of everything else. They, boom, there you go. I agree with that 100%. Yes. Well, I guess Robin Wilde's making the point that auteurism, like... F- f- from an artistic perspective, should be motivated in the desire to create the art rather than the desire to make money, mm. which is what infuses the corporatist side of the industry. So maybe uh, on some level, an auteur's desire to create the vision they want to create should be held sacred from the perspective of an appreciator of art. Mm. Yeah, well, and and that gets us into the like we were talking about with Da Vinci earlier. That gets us into the wibbly wobbly category of like 
when we're talking about, you know, kind of like team effort and collaboration, how much of that collaboration goes towards the patrons of the work, whether it be a corporate entity, uh, a self-funded entity, or just good management skills, right? Like that's all part of the same the same soup of the creative process. Artists is, artists have got to eat too. Artists has got to sell their art too. Right. Well, well, in a perfect world, we'd all live in like the United Federation of Planets mm. and all work to produce art for its own sake. Oh, I love that. Yes. Rather than for money. But many people discovered that the whole no money system in Star Trek doesn't really work when held up to uh, analysis. Mm. It's almost like it's a in work fact, of fiction, right? Star Trek itself frequently <laughs> did. Deep Space Nine played with this a lot. Yeah, yeah. By having my Federation citizens being forced to live in a society that still had a currency and uh, raised a lot of questions about how the hell that worked. Mm-hmm. Did they just did they just give everyone who lived on Deep Space Nine an allowance? Was that how it worked? Just gave them like a sack of gold pressed latinum at the start of every month, and that's how they got by. I I would assume that not even that. Like any everyone anyone who lived there probably just got like oh you know food is replicated you don't need to worry about food you have your living quarters anything else you need and figure that out but quark's bar operated on money didn't it sure sure or did he just receive like a stipend from like the the station budget every month well i assume like most people on the space station were like employees of the very space station right so they had like internal credit you would have to assume they had, oh. they, had a, they had an internal credit account that they could tap into. Oh, that actually is even more devious. If they had a, what do they call that? Corporate dollars? Oh yeah, it was a company town. Oh. Deep Space Nine was a company town. Oh, we just we blew were... this wide open yachts. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, we're getting sidetracked. <laughs> we we got we got a lot of these to get through. We certainly are. Arko Wagga gives £20 to say, sorry if this is a tired topic, but is Chris Roberts considered part of this sort of group? And don't worry, I've already Googled it. Oh, good. Chris Roberts is the uh, creative lead behind Star Citizen. Oh, the game that infamously um, is never yeah. released? So yeah. then, yes. Was, before that, he was the creator of Wing Commander. Oh, okay. Oh, apparently he was born on May 27th. That's three days after my birthday. Oh, <laughs> okay. I think the problem with uh, uh, Star Citizen is probably a lack of strict management from the from the sounds of it, mm. from what we know, from the fact that it's taken, how long has it taken? Like a million billion years and about as much money? <laughs> well, and, you know, that's, this is, you know, the, the dangers of, the dangers of like art for art's sake is that, you know, something you make will never be released and therefore never exists in the first place, right? Uh, Science Citizen never struck me as an art-focused project. It was just one of those things where it was like, hey, what if there was a space game where you could do anything? Which isn't really an artful concept. Mm. There's, there's no, like, I consider an artful concept to be something that takes a single core gameplay loop and really plays with it, like sure. something like Before Your Eyes or Unpacking to cite indie games from this year. Okay. So this feels like just someone trying to do everything and and uh, not getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and I, unfortunately, I don't know enough about Star Citizen to talk about this with any sort of uh, even flippant detail. That's uh, very mature of you to admit that. <laughs> 
If it's one thing I'm good at, it's knowing when I don't know things. Okay. That is an important thing to know. I think so, yeah. Uh, that guy, you know, gives five dollars to say, "I was just joshing you. I'm really an insufferable JRPG weeb, and I was making a joke aimed at the Madden crowd." Oh. Well, I think the joke landed far from the Madden crowd. Moving on, <laughs> Shave Dad. Perfect. Shave sorry. Dad gives five A dollars, Australian dollars, possibly, sure. to say first time catching one of these and first time donating. I think the line is blurry due to companies like Microsoft funding small studios. Yeah, and EA doing that as well with the EA Originals movement that's more recently brought us It Takes Two, the upset Game Awards Game of the Year. Well, you know, corporations uh, love their free... Uh, goodwill yes in the age of social media gotta have your good publicity and frankly if they're willing to just cut some of their massive profits to some dudes and say just make whatever the hell you want some dudes then that is at least one silver lining on the massive bloated horrible cloud that is the AAA industry absolutely that's that's like right now that's like the least we can ask for is like, hey, throw some of that money to someone who's actually going to make something weird and interesting. Yeah, I would say do that more. Yeah, yeah. Tent poles, not what was it we said? Tent, Tent poles, not, not crucifixes. There we go. <laughs> so no, we uh, hope they keep doing that. We want yeah. them to take their money and give it to weird indie developers. Yeah. Yes, do that. Do do it more. If anything, they're not doing it enough. Ooh, that's, that's the problem. There we go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Shaggy Dabby Dank gives $5 to say, Yahtzee, I've been wondering, is Chris Quinn still alive in the modern day? Love the show and your games. You're something of an auteur yourself. Well, I ain't disputing that. You are, you are officially an auteur. Chris Quinn is like a very old character of mine that I sprinkled into the odd project here and there. Mm-hmm. And I don't really use anymore. So I guess not. Ah, okay. There you go. Although, if you'd like him to be in your head cannon, then go nuts. Because I ain't going to, like, use him anytime soon. So feel free to assume. You heard it here first, folks. Use him in your head cannon. An enemy stand user, JoJo reference, uh-huh. gives 250 DOP. Yeah, you know me. What the, without saying what the hell those are. To say, hi, Yahtzee, as a writer, how do you plan your stories? Also, will you be doing a zero punctuation on FNAF security breach? Probably not, unless January proves even deader than usual. (laughs) How do I plan my stories? Uh, With a minimum of planning. Hmm. I think that's the best way to write a long-form project. What I usually do is I have a vague idea of where how it's going to end and a couple of key points and how it starts and then just start writing a page a day. Let it go where it pleases. Mm -hmm. Go on tangents if I feel like it's going somewhere. And then when it finally serpentines to the end, go back and edit it so it all makes sense. Ooh, great advice. That's my... You know, everyone who writes has their own method that works for them. Mm. Stephen King ostensibly writes like 20 drafts of every chapter. (laughs) Who's got time for that? That sounds kind of psychotic to me. Well, he did a lot of cocaine in the 80s. Well, yes. Also, you know, he's one of the few novelists where that's his full-time job. Right. 
where he can make he can make enough money for it to be his full time job. Hmm. Basically, everyone else who writes books also writes something else. <laughs> they do journalism on the side. Sure, sure, sure. I'm with you. Or you know, or uh, uh, punching up screenplays or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Jobbing writers. Jobbing writers, or they, you know, you write, you write one, sell the rights to a movie studio, and just never do it yeah. again. Just never work again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, still holding out for that. <laughs> one of these days, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. Andrew Hickenbottom gives five pounds to say, "Can't really think of anything to ask." So here, just buy yourself something nice from Primark, like. All right. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Thanks very much, Andrew Hickenbottom. B.S. Marsh, give us $5 to say, Happy New Year, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to another year of great content. Sure. Yes. Yes. Aren't we all? I'm looking forward to making another year of free content for you to view once and then cast aside like discarded bog roll. It will, all, it will always live on in the internet to be found at some later time, hopefully, and enjoy. Well, that's, that's, that's a problem in itself. Ooh. You can never forget about an embarrassing mistake you made, for it is their <laughs> shrine forever. Good, good. Let that motivate you. Yeah. Shafe Dad gives five a dollars, Australian dollars, possibly to yeah. say, but at the same time, it might help them stay relevant for longer. Okay, I guess he's finishing off a thought from earlier about our tours, maybe. Uh, well, he was the one who mentioned Microsoft funding small studios. Oh, sure. Maybe he's saying that will help Microsoft stay relevant for longer. <laughs> I don't, uh, Mike, Microsoft has a million billion dollars. They don't need to worry about staying relevant. Artistically relevant. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Eve, Eve Daly gives two euros to say, are authors auteurs? Some editors collaborate. Well, yes, of course, authors are auteurs. That's where the word auteur comes from. That's literally yeah. the definition is, is like to be more like a singular author. Though, to be fair, there are several um, works that are collaborations within themselves. Thanks for the question and the money, Eve Daly. We appreciate you, that. You dolt. But, but like, you know, thinking uh, of, like, the Leviathan Wakes series, uh, even though it's, it's uh, the author is James, uh, James C.A. Corey, it's actually two authors writing under a singular surname. Oh, like Grant Naylor. What? Grant Naylor, the author of the uh, of uh, Red Dwarf and the Red Dwarf novels, oh okay, is actually two people: Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. Ah, there you go. There they you go. later split off, and then both individually wrote sequels to the same book, which was kind of weird. <laughs> Inter- I like that though. That's very. So very you can either follow the Grant continuity or the Naylor continuity. Ooh, I like or both. Hop between worlds. Well, then it gets very confusing. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Martin upgraded membership to early access. Well done, Martin. We appreciate Welcome that to the support. Cool Things Club. Mm-hmm. Mr. Black Darkness, 666. Oh, what a very edgy name. I'm very intimidated by you, Mr. Black Darkness, 666. To give two euros and say, Jack, are you going to replay Dark Souls 2 ever again? Love you. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I will. I think uh, I, f- I finally finished Dark Souls 2 over the weekend um, after so a few stalled attempts. Well, I, I had played it. Actually, I was significantly closer to the end than I thought. Like, I I'd, I'd started mm-hmm. it once after my first Dark Souls, like, after I first fell in love with Dark Souls. Didn't get very far. Oh, it felt like jank. Gave it another try. Got very far. Got all the way to Lendrick. Um, and then uh, after that twist, uh, gave Vendrick. up on it. Vendrick. Sorry. What did I say? Lendrick? Yeah, it took me a while to remember, actually. <laughs> I just knew it wasn't Lendrick. Yeah. After I got to Vendrick, uh, kind of deflated all of my momentum, stopped, recently re-replayed it, got through the whole thing. Uh, you know what? Overall enjoyed it. Overall enjoyed my playthrough. And and you finally saw the ending? I finally saw the ending. A Probably little... didn't feel worth it, did it? Certainly not. <laughs> uh, but did you do all the DLC as well? I did not do all the DLC. Um, well, that's like a whole extra game right there. I, I know. But I, I think overall uh, I enjoyed it. It's a very interesting game, and yes, I will be replaying it. I'll probably make it a an annual thing like december weather starts getting cold i start feeling bad play all the dark souls it'll be great well, someone if you haven't done the dlc someone say you haven't even finished it now yeah fuck that i finished <laughs> i got to i got to credits i finished it i think if they if you're playing a release of it that had the dlc like boxed in like the yeah dark I, souls prepare to die edition then it doesn't i don't feel like i'm finished till i've done the dlc part as well Got to go and uh, fight that uh, Manus of the Abyss. Though I will say I've I've peeked into some of the DLC and some of the worlds do look really cool. So yeah, maybe I'll give that a shot. Yeah, Dark Souls 2 had pretty extensive DLC. and Of all games with DLC, well worth a look. Hmm? Well, we'll give it a try. We'll, we'll give it a shot to try. Um, enjoyed it overall. Um, uh, and yeah, it's very interesting. Dark Souls 2, very interesting game. Narratively speaking, super borked, but very interesting <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, certainly feels different to Dark Souls 1. Dark Souls 1 was ni- nice, simple, nice, simple hero's journey. Hero's journey, subversion of expectations. Beautiful theming throughout. Dark Souls 2, a little meandery. Hmm. Little, uh, little all over the place, but that's not for here or there. I guess we are talking uh, about our tours. Not really the same thing. Well, well, <laughs> if we compare Dark Souls Miyazaki versus Dark Souls to not Miyazaki, didn't they, didn't they bring him in for the um, Scholar of the First Sin edition? That's why, like, a lot of it's been like reworked and monster placements been mixed around a load. That I don't that know. Version. That I don't know. Well, anyway. <laughs> Great. David Kalanex becomes an early access member, or has been a member for three months, if I'm interpreting this right, to say, ha ha, I made you read a free message. Cheers. Oh, you wily sod, David Kalanex. You got us by being an early access member. Oh, you got us by giving us money every month instead of right now. (laughs) Krogotron has been a member for six months and gets to say, I'd just like to thank you for Adventure is Nigh. You're welcome. Last, there's the last episode coming out this week, I believe. It is. Um, it is not actually the la- the the season one finale is so big at the moment. Uh, right now, my first edit of uh, the final episode is about two hours long. Yeah, we were sort of barreling towards the end, and we felt we'd all might as well just 
drag the session on until we were done. We are close enough. I mean, recording time. I think it took us three hours to record the thing. Yeah. Um, but so uh, it's looking like we might do a like YouTube only premiere next week when it would have come out on YouTube anyway. We're still figuring um, that out. Um, okay. We're still figuring it out because it's just so much. It's so much episode and it's so good. <laughs> it's guys. well worth looking forward to. It really is. It's really fun. I've, I finally pulled off a good con. <laughs> With, Mortimer did rather. Mortimer pulled off a really good con with the help of his friends. Absolutely. Yes. It was a very natural arc for the series. Perfect. I, I think I think we all had a moment to shine, didn't we? In the in the finale. You all had your moment to shine. You all had uh very, by the way, unintentional arcs and uh like uh, unintentional bookends to stories mm. that I did not pre-plan ahead of time. The magic of collaborative yes. storytelling. Yeah, it was all very neat, and you'll all love it Ooh, when it comes will. out. When it comes Next out, week. in however it comes out, we're okay. still figuring that out. <laughs> uh, Reese gives five pounds to say, Yahtzee, have you ever checked out uh, the YouTuber Sergeant Ducky? He seems to be inspired by your art style. Also, I love's adventure is nice. Well, you can't love it that much. You get the title right. Ooh. Sergeant Ducky, eh? You know the name rings a bell. Just give me a sec. Maybe the algorithm has thrown it up in the past. Are you Googling it? Yeah, I'm looking it up on YouTube. Google it. See if it rings any bells. No, I don't think I've seen any of this. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Yes. He was probably influenced by me. A lot of people are. I was one of the early ones, you know. You were. You were, you were. James Miola gives $5 to say, at the risk of being Captain Obvious, I found most emotionally resonant games lately are small team stroke auteur. Well, that's what you can get. (laughs) He's talking about Outer Wilds, Subnautica, and Undertale, specifically. Sure, sure. Because... Because, as I said, you know, the best way to bring across a singular emotional experience is to channel a single person's emotions, I suppose. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I think I think no matter what, we can all agree that any collaborative work is best when there is a strong vision at a leadership position. There you go. Boom. No matter what. Uh, Shafe Dad comes back again with another five Australian dollars to say, a couple of eps ago, you were talking about games you're keen for. Are you interested or dreading the new Avatar? P.S. It's AUD. Okay. It's AUD. When you say the new Avatar, do you mean the James Cameron sequels that he keeps talking about he's going to make? Or the new live-action remake of Avatar The Last Airbender that they're making? Or is there a video game? Because the question specifically mentions video games. Is there an Avatar video game that we are not aware of? Weren't Ubisoft making an Avatar open-world game at one point? I don't know. No one cares about Avatar. (laughs) Extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, that's probably the most... That's probably like the textbook case for something that was like... A flash in the pan, you know? Not, but like to call it a flash in the, in the pan undersells what it was. It was the biggest blockbuster on the planet. Everyone yeah. on the planet saw it in theaters in 3D. Yeah, I watched it in, <laughs> in 3D. And I don't watch films. Right. And then 
the next day, nobody remembered or cared about it. Except for James Cameron. It was beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone, like, there were articles about people, like, killing themselves because they were so depressed that they didn't live on the planet Pandora. (laughs) And then the next day, Mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, are you going to make more? We don't care. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably won't watch it. Right? What what was it? Do you think, like, you know, maybe it was because the film was, like, all style and no substance. There was nothing for anyone to really emotionally latch on to. So now... No one really cares what happens to these characters. Absolutely. It, like, was, oh, it was okay. so stock. Who the fuck cares? Like it was it was like it was a story we had seen several times before and characters without like any ounce of humanity to them. Like we who Jake Sully is the name of the main character. Who cares about Jake Sully? <laughs> right? I only, I only know that because I've asked enough times in the past, what the hell was the name of that guy in Avatar? Jake Sully. Because just watching the film by itself didn't make it stick. <laughs> right. And so, like, no, they they gave us stock characters in a stock uh, plot, uh, and yeah. no one cares. And now there's going to be would, eight of them. It would only have been more stock if they'd had Chris Pratt playing the lead. <laughs> I don't think Quick he was... Chat, like- without- Quick chat, without looking it up, what was Chris Pratt's character name in Jurassic Park? <laughs> Jurassic Park. Quick, without looking it up. Now, now, now. Oh, shit. It was uh, Evan Handsome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it might as well have been. Right? That's a great one. Uh, Yeah, no. So it'll it'll come out. It'll probably bomb. I have no idea, though. Owen Thunderguns? That sounds wrong. It wasn't that. (laughs) I think that was his character name in uh, the Lego Movie Two, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't apparently, matter. Apparently, he's like the go-to everyman voice actor now. Well, which, by the way, makes like when he was the voice of Emmett in the Lego Movie, it made very much sense because Emmett was a stock standard Lego character with no defining characteristics. So you get Chris Pratt to do that voice makes perfect sense. Maybe he'll work on his voice acting talents and become the next Mark Hamill. Mm. Who knows? Uh, calculator <laughs> uh, gives five dollars to say any concern that Elden Ring will be easier than the previous Souls games. I, no, I'm absolutely not concerned by that. No, I might appreciate that. Mm. Might be able to get through it in a week. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised that I got through Demon Souls in a week. Hmm. I got uh, stuck. I guess it was. Uh, it wasn't really doing this the sprawling open world thing, right? As much as Dark Souls was. No, and not like I. I think like, you know, we make sure like temper expectations. Like this will be probably very Souls like, but you know, it, it won't be a Souls game. So temper, temper right. those expectations, right. everybody. Temper, temper. As someone who's very excited about Elden Ring, let's make sure we temper. Oh, Nick comes in to tell us that uh, Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World was called Owen Grady. Yeah, yeah. Might as well have just been, uh, you know, Johnny McWaspish. James Megachin. Uh, yeah. Tony Peoples. There's been like five video games where the main protagonist is a generic white person called called Alex Mason. 
Ooh, I like that. That is a very bland name. Alex yeah. Mason. Ooh. Yeah. It's that sort of name. Yeah. Sort of white everyman name. Tapioca pudding. Just wolf. white Anglo-Saxon Protestant <laughs> name. <laughs> right. And that's kind of where Chris Pratt excels. Like, we yeah. don't want too much personality. Like, his only personality trait is like a hint of snark. That's all we're looking for. I mentioned this in my extra punctuation on diversity, but I was looking up the protagonist of Crisis. Crisis? And uh, what he looked like under the helmet to sort of document what race he was. And I wasn't sure what race he was. He looks really mixed race, like almost like uh, uh, Pacific Islander, maybe. Okay. But, or like Latino. Maybe just like, or could just be white dude with a tan. And I wasn't sure how to call it, but then I looked up what his real name was. And his real name was Jake Dunn. <laughs> so i thought no he's white that's a white that's a white name that's a white guy name yeah <laughs> uh spencer trumbore gives five dollars to say yahtzee push through inscription i'm not a deck building game fan either but the game locks me in with humor style and surprises gets more fun oh piss off spencer trumbore not the rest is I, I really shoo. I really like deck building games and I couldn't push through. Oh, couldn't you? I you know oh, I yeah, we talked about it, didn't we? Yeah, I couldn't get uh, apparently past where I got there's a, a big thing that makes the game amazing and I just didn't care enough to get there. I'm sure it's great. See, that's the that's the pitfall. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people wanted to imitate the success of stuff like Spec Ops the Line mm. and Doki Doki Literature Club where it starts doing one thing and then kicks you in the balls at yeah. some point in a really yeah. memorable way. But the problem is you have to, you have to on some level, like visual novels, to play enough of Doki Doki Literature Club to get to the part right. where it kicks you in the balls. Right. And even as someone who likes deck-building games, the, the base deck-building game just wasn't quite engaging enough for me to keep going through the amount of failures because obviously it's a very hard game as well hmm. so uh, there i'm sure there's something there maybe one of these days i'll give it another shot yeah but yeah that's all i got well that's all the uh super chats we had we did it we finally did it ran on a bit but we did it we but we're all obviously we and especially nick is very very grateful for all your money that means we get to make the content we want and all of that jazz it's so very thanks for true. super chats it's very true we appreciate well and you know like this is a this was a, a a difficult conversation to have as obviously a lot of definitions are wibbly wobbly but it, you know again it depends uh yeah. a, a lot of autourism just depends it on depends. how big of a dickhead you are right let's all fill our depends <laughs> It depends. <laughs> but in any case, we do appreciate uh, you all uh, chatting with us and hanging out with us for a little bit longer. Uh, and uh, and that's all we got today. Uh, my voice is just about done. And that's all she wrote. So right. we'll I'll see you tomorrow for the Zero Punctuation Top 5, Bottom 5, and Blandest 5 from Ooh, 2021. That's amazing. I guess I'm just going to stream what my game of the year was. Whatever that is. But I guess, but yeah, we'll probably do that in the post TV stream. Mm -hmm. uh, besides that, what else is there? 
I guess Adventures Nigh isn't coming out on Thursday. There, in its current state, it will not be coming out on Thursday. Nick and I will still be streaming on Thursday, or someone and I will and, be streaming on Thursday, theoretically. And in normal circumstances, an extra punctuation would drop on YouTube on Thursday, but it already dropped on YouTube because I missed a zero punctuation over Christmas, like I usually do. So that was sort of like the uh, the, the peace offering. Yes. So that dropped on YouTube early. So I guess you might as well not hang around the site after tomorrow because there won't be any more of me on it. <laughs> go go over to the Discord. Uh, I'll be I'll be uh, teasing some some Adventure is Nigh images um, to make up for us not uh, releasing this week. So head over to the Discord. I'm kidding, of course. The Scapist is full of great content. I think uh, J-Mate had a new one today, uh, talking about uh, Half-Life Alex. Ooh. So check that out. New anatomy video. Love that. Uh, great. Uh, thanks, everybody. We're going we're gonna to head out now as I go to the credits screen. Bye. Bye.